All right, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Christian. As I said earlier to the 10 people here who, who are here on time, we really thank you guys for coming. For the rest of you, we love you just as much. We really do. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here at City Light. And um, so we're talking about getting your life back. And the first week, right, because we, we know that we're in this rat race. We know that if we're not careful, life just scoots by, right? And so the first week we talked about distractions and getting out of, uh, getting out of our own way. And I really believe that's part of the call of Jesus is to, to go deeper in life. That he, he doesn't say, like there's this great verse that we talk about a lot where Jesus says, I have come to give you life. He doesn't say, it's like those commercials, you know, where they're like, how, you know, the brake repair guy, he's like, how good are your brakes? He's like, I'm all right. You know, if the brakes don't stop it, something else will, right? That, that whole, I love those commercials. And Jesus didn't say, hey, I came to give life and it'll be all right. It'll be okay. No, he said, I came to give life abundantly. He has a longing for us to experience a depth of life that I think sometimes we can miss if we're not really dialed into it, if we're not taking the time to listen and to, to see what God is doing in and through us. And so we're talking about getting our lives back, living life on purpose instead of by default. So the first week we talked about distractions and last week we talked about values. I'm not going to do a show of hands, but I'm hoping some of you did the spiritual exercise that I handed out where you ask yourself those five questions. What would life be like if it was, if I, you know, like, oh, that's not exactly what it said. Uh, it was something to the effect of what does the ideal life look like, right? What do I want to get out of life? What does an ideal relationship with God look like? And I had you think about those thoughts and meditate on those thoughts a little bit and then start to write down some answers so we can start to know where we're going. The tagline last week was to discover our values so that we so spend time to discover our values so we don't miss out on time to pursue them. If you wait until your end of your life to figure out what really matters to you, you may have missed a lot of opportunities. So after discovering what's important to us, discovering our values, the next step we need to take is we need to, just, to create space in our lives to do what matters most to us. So I, um, I read this quote. It's in the uh, same book. I quoted this book a couple times last week. What one thing could you do? So I actually want you to think about this right now. What one thing could you do, you're not doing it right now, that if you did it on a regular basis, would make a tremendous positive difference in your personal life. Just think about that. What is one thing that you could do that you don't do right now? So everybody can think about this. Doesn't matter if you're a, a teenager, if you're you know middle middle age like me, older age, whatever. What's one thing that you could do? What's one thing that you're like, you, and you think about it probably now that we're talking about it. You're like, oh, there's that thing that I sometimes wish I did. Or sometimes I, I do it, but then I get out of practice of it. What's the one thing that you know that if you did it regularly, it would have a tremendous impact on your life? So I'll tell you about my life, right? Um, one of the things for me is, uh, is exercise. I know that if I would exercise regularly, it would have an impact on my life. And I get into these fads where I'll exercise and then I'll get busy and then I'll realize it's been a week or two weeks and then I'll exercise and then I'll get busy and then it'll be a week or two weeks. Anybody else like that in the room with exercise? Yeah. And exercise, there's only two of us? Well, hey, I'm with you. The rest of them are lying. Okay. Um, so, you know, but... That's just kind of a common one. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a deeper one for me. So this is one that I really have had to work on. I love to read. And so I read, uh, I read probably two to three books a month. 
that are just like fiction books, just like fun. And it's like my little, it's my hobby. Like I was at this, um, I was at this pastor's retreat and they were asking us what your hobby was. And I was like, I I don't have a hobby. I really don't. Like I don't, I don't playing with my kids. They're like, no, can't, that doesn't count. It's like, okay. Uh, so I figured out reading is my hobby. Cause like when I'm, when I'm, whatever, like if I have extra time laying around, you know, have some time to kill, I love to read like a fast paced, usually there's some, you know, danger involved and some weaponry and you want to know more? I'm not going to tell you what I'm reading right now, but it's good. Seriously, I kind of wish I was reading it right now, but I, I, I got to wait. That's the kind of book I like. Like you, you have to stop because life calls and you're like, Ugh. okay. Um, so I realized that when we planted this church that I really needed to grow as a person, uh, not physically. That's the exercise thing. I've been growing physically. Uh, and so I, I need to grow as a leader. I need to grow as a pastor. I need to grow spiritually. My, I've started to feel how shallow I was personally. And so, and I had this list of books that people would recommend to me or authors that I would listen to them on podcasts. I think I should read that book. I, was like, I'm, I, I read all the time, but I never read for personal growth. And I was like, well, I'll just do it sometimes. That's why I said I should do it. You know how many times I did it? Never. I had to make a discipline, whatever word you want to use. I had to budget time. I had to make an arrangement with myself. So here's my arrangement. I get to read, it was going to be one book, but I can't stop at one. So I get to read two fun books, and then I have to stop and read a growth book. Because if I say, oh, I'll read it you know, at work, I don't read it at work. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen unless I do it. This book was so frustrating um, because this was one of the first ones that I did on that cycle and it was so long and I would continually fall asleep reading it. So which just, the, the, the problem was it made me read it forever and I was like longing for a fiction book again and it was so wonderful. Of course, I read a fiction book in like five days. It's like, no! So I got to find shorter, meaningful books. But it's been working for me. I'm growing as a leader. I've been learning new things. What do you wish you could do? What is one thing? And I want you to keep that in your head. I'm actually going to give you a piece of paper at the end. Surprise, surprise. I know I never do that. And and you're going to be able to write something down. You're going to make a plan. But see, here's what we say about these really good things. Like, you know it. This would be good for me. You have this dream that you keep saying, well, I just, someday I want to, someday I'm gonna, but right now I don't have time for that, right? I just don't have time for that. I wonder if this is a true statement, because here's what I know. I know that we make time for the things that are really important to us. We make time. See, it's not about having time. That's a very passive way to look at your time. It's about making time because who's dictating your day? Now listen, as I talk about this, I recognize there's a few people who are in really intense caretaker roles in their lives. Maybe you're a young mom. uh, Maybe you've got several young kids. Maybe you're caretaking for uh, a relative who's ailing. Some people, their schedules are really not as flexible. And so I still think you can find time for yourself, but I, I, I know I have friends for whom that's much more difficult and I don't want to be insensitive to you. But for most of us, this is an excuse rather than a true statement. And then on top of that, do you ever waste time? I was reading this, uh, this, this so cool. I'm going to share a quote from him in a little bit, but Jonathan Edwards was this preacher from the 1700s. So this is like 250 years ago, right? They had the same exact problems. 
He was preaching, actually, a sermon. It was titled, it was a much longer title, but it was basically something about how we need to, to understand how to spend our time. Because people were frivolously spending their time. And he talked about, think about what if time was money? What if we did with our money what we do with our time? What if we wasted money like we waste time? Like just at the end of the day, we were tired, so we just went outside and threw a couple hundred dollars out into the wind. Right? Like, like that's what we do like, right, with our time. We're tired, so I'm just going to like, you know, watch meaningless YouTube videos for three hours. That's the equivalent of taking money and being like, I'm just tired, right? Or we're, we're like kind of in a bad mood, and so we get on a phone call or a text message, and we gossip with somebody. And like 45 minutes have gone by, and you're like, what have I just done with my life? Yeah, that's like going out and being like, I'm going to write a check for $1,000 to nobody here. You know, just like a total stranger. It would just, if we were as irresponsible with our money as we were with our time, people would think we're crazy. How do you waste time? I already mentioned a couple things. I mean, you know, TV can be in, in good, like, measure, I think, can be a good thing. But it's so easy to suck you. And have you ever been just, like, so tired that you couldn't stop watching TV to go to bed? And you're just like, I realized Mandy and I the other night were sitting next to each other on the couch, not talking, and we were watching a commercial. And it was, we've seen this commercial like a hundred times. We were both like, there's probably something else we could have been doing, like sleeping. That's what we really needed. We were wasting that time. You know, it's like it's like two o'clock in the morning and you're, you're like flipping through this. I used to do this when I didn't have to wake up so early with kids, but like, I love staying up late and you just, you ever do the tail end of movie thing at night? Does anybody ever do that? You're like, oh, here's, oh, the last 10 minutes of that movie I saw 20 years ago. I I'd kind of like to watch that 10 minutes, you know? I mean, for teenagers, they don't understand what TVs are anymore. Um, they, have, they have these handheld things. Like, I literally have two TVs in my house, and I go around like, please go watch TV on the TV instead of on your little device. But, you know, do you know teenagers watch YouTube videos for hours and hours? I don't get it. There's people, there's famous YouTubers. I don't even know how they make money. Okay, that's a different thing. But how do you waste time? Some of us waste time doing not just neutral activities, but we get involved in bad activities. We waste time drinking too much. We waste time looking at porn. I mean, right? There's all these ways that we waste time. You get down the rabbit hole of sin and you're like, oh my gosh, I've wasted hours, days, months of my life. We waste it. Time is one of the most valuable resources that we've been given. And this is the point today. This is what I want to talk about is, can we start to spend our time wisely? So I want to tell you a story that Jesus told. And he had two brothers who were fighting over who should get the inheritance from their dad. So they came up to Jesus and they said, hey, tell us who should get the inheritance. And so Jesus told him a story instead, which is what he usually does. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So side note, you know, he's talking to people who are living in an agrarian society. This is why he's using this metaphor. But you could use any metaphor that would work for you. Like, um, you know, whatever, my 401k just all of a sudden had this huge boom and it tripled or whatever. You know, so some of you are like, well, yeah, it tripled. I'm at 300 now. Okay. Um, then, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And I think one of the messages of this story was to these two brothers who were fighting over money. And he was saying, life is short. Life is short. You don't know. Like we all think that we know that we're going to be around for a long time, but you don't know. And he's saying to these brothers, I think life is short. Stop fighting about money. Relationships are so much more important. I think he was rebuking those two brothers who were focused on themselves instead of being rich towards God. And there's other layers to this story too about how we use our money. But life is short and we take for granted how much we're going to get. This is what I want to talk about. Your time is limited, so spend it on what matters most. Think about, think about your life being short. Think about if someone were to tell you that you have a year to live. So you actually knew would you live differently than you're living now? Think about that one thing that you always wish you did. Or the first question I asked you, if, if I could do one thing regularly, I know it would improve my life, but I've got all these excuses that keep me from it. What is that one thing? Would you live differently if you knew how much time you had left? I love David. David is an Old Testament writer. He was uh, one of the, probably the most famous king of Israel. And he wrote beautiful psalms, beautiful songs to God. And he said this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's saying, listen, We're taking so much of life for granted. We're living as if we're, it's like the person who drives up their credit card debt and and they are living like they have so much money, but they just don't. That's sometimes how we live our life. I'm going to do that later. We're putting it off. We're putting it off. We're just not investing in the kingdom of God. We're not investing in the things that really make our hearts sing. We're not investing in the things that really matter to us. That's why we talked last week about values so we can talk this week about how we're going to manage our time because you need and I need to line the spending of our time up with our values so that we can have a principle or value-centered life. So he's telling us, number your days. Think about the fact that you have a limited resource. Time is a limited resource that you alone choose how to spend. Are you guys okay? It's like a somber day. Sorry, moms. Okay. Your time is limited, so spend it on what matters most. This is a quote from Jonathan Edwards that I was talking about. How little is the preciousness of time considered, and how little sense of it do the greater part of mankind seem to have, and to how little good purpose do they spend their time? There is nothing more precious, and yet nothing of which men are more prodigal. And he's saying the same thing. 250 years later, we're doing the same thing. We're spending time. See, time is precious because it has eternal repercussions. This is straight from his teaching, actually. What you do now matters eternally. It's precious because it's short. Have you ever gone on vacation? The way that I do vacation is I I do as much as I can every single day because vacation is short. It's not like if, if you just, that's why I wonder, like you go to like North Carolina, we go to the Outer Banks and that's our vacation one week every summer. And man, we just like paddleboard and, and we swim and we eat lots of food and we hang out on the beach and like we go to the beach every single day, even though it's like a lot of work to get all our stuff to the beach. What if you lived at the Outer Banks? I've always wondered that. If you live there, do they ever go to the beach? Do they ever paddleboard? 
They probably never like pack up all their everything they own and cart it to the beach and sit there all day. They probably never pack lunches and eat eat out there. It's just like normal life to them. This is like it's what we do. We forget that life's short. And we just get lulled into this false sense of security, this false sense of I'm going to be here forever. Now, eternity is in our hearts. We will live forever in Jesus. But our time on earth, for some reason, in the wisdom of God, he created this small, in the you know, grand scheme of things, small amount of time for us to do something significant. We're uncertain of its continuance. No one can say, I know, I mean, most of us can't say, I know how much longer I'm going to be here. And the thing is, when it's passed, you can't get a do-over. Right? Some of you know that really well. Some of you know the pain of looking back at your life and seeing wasted time, wasted years, wasted decades. It's not, I, I love to be super positive, but you can't go back. You can't go back in time. You know, I was thinking for this teaching, it would have been really funny if I dressed up like Marty McFly, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, but that was a great thing about Marty McFly is he could go fix things in the past, but you can't. Relationships that have been broken because you didn't choose to invest in them enough, they're broken. Now, God is a redeemer, and he can redeem stuff, but I just, I want to draw your attention to how important every day is that you're living. Every hour, every moment is a chance to live according to who God has made you to be and the purpose he's created you for. Because of this, this is what Paul says. He's the writer of much of the New Testament, and he says, be very careful how you live. I love this. In fact, um, there's another version that I memorized this when I was a, uh, a younger guy. And it was, it, it's redeem the time for the days are evil. And that's just like one of those verses that bounces around in my head on a regular basis. Redeem the time. Because time needs to be redeemed. It's this neutral thing that's just flowing by me like a river. But I have a choice to enter into time and make it good. I can do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I can just live or I can really live, right? I can let time just sp- slide past me or I can step into it and make a difference. Redeem the time. Be careful. Think about. Give concentration to. One of the spiritual practices that we're going to learn in this class that we're teaching, some of you have done them before. I've taught on it here before, but it's called an examine, and it's not E-X-A-M-I-N-E. It's E-X-A-M-E-N. It's an examine. It's a spiritual practice, and basically, it's so simple. All it is is a discipline to every day just spend a little bit of time with God, and what you do is you become aware of God's presence in your life. So all the times that you may have missed him working, you become aware of his presence. You become grateful for all that he's done throughout the day. Then you look back over your day and you say, is there anything that I need to ask forgiveness for or reconcile with anyone about? And then you look forward to the next day and you ask God to walk with you. It's this simple way of being careful how you live. I don't do it every day, but I've begun to do it more and more of just saying, I want to I be careful how I live. Have you ever been driving somewhere? And you're so deep in thought that you arrive and you don't remember getting there. Has that ever happened to you? Or halfway through the trip, you're like, oh. And you've been somehow like on autopilot. I don't know how the brain does that. But I live like that sometimes. I find myself like looking forward to something or looking back to something. And oh, like regularly, I'm trying to, especially the older I get, say, no, I'm, I'm in the moment. Like God is here my life is here. My kids are here. Like, I have nothing guaranteed tomorrow. 
So I have to live in the present. And if I'm like, oh man, I can't wait till July to get on vacation, or I can't wait till this that's out here. First of all, there's no guarantee that's even going to happen. And second of all, there's all this time from now till then that I'll miss. God's in the moment. He's in the present. You never know what he's going to do in that present moment. You never know whose life you're going to touch. You never know whose story you're going to enter into. You never know what God's going to do in your heart if we could just become aware and intentional. So he says, live. Um, Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Making the most of every opportunity. I'm going to give you a couple practical ways to make the most of every opportunity. That is not what I thought was next. Okay. Before I do what I said I was going to do, we're going to look at a, at a little chart. You ready? Good, thanks. Okay, there it is. You, you were ready for that, I could tell. All right, this is from Stephen Covey. You've all seen this, right? I mean, anyone who's an adult has seen this. And it's frustrating because it's so obvious, but it's so hard to do. And that's why I think it's frustrating. So he breaks your, your life and your time into four quadrants. And here's where we live. A lot of us live doing urgent things. And we fill up our lives with urgent things. And if we were actually honest and you looked at your life, a lot of stuff is urgent and not important, which is like some of the worst place to spend your time. And then the rest, we do spend a lot of time on urgent and important. But here's where we spend the least amount of time. Not urgent and very important. This is where the stuff lives that we don't do that we wish we would do. The stuff that I know I need to do, but I don't do. And I wish I would do it. It's over here. It's because it's not urgent. Because we're so driven by the demands of people and society that we rarely create margin in our lives. And margin, I'm going to be talking about margin, I think in two weeks, I think it's in two weeks, about how to do that. But margin is where you can sit with your thoughts and you can sit with your dreams and you can sit with the presence of God and you can say, what am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I not stepping into? What opportunities am I missing? What relationships am I not investing in that I should be investing in? This is where not urgent but important, like planning, like stepping out into new things that God has for you. But we're so obsessed with the urgent that we're just putting out fires. That's one of the diagrams that you'd see here. You're just putting out fires, putting out fires, putting out fires, putting out fires, go to bed. And if that's what your life feels like, you're not really taking your life back. Life is taking you. And so there is, there is a, we need to break ourselves of the constant addiction to the urgent. And what you'll find is that there's ways to delegate this stuff And there's ways to manage this stuff so that you can spend more time here. The healthiest, most successful, happiest people do as much this as this. And you know what? Another thing we'll do is here, which is the total time wasters. And when we're in pain and we want to run away from responsibility or we want to run away from decisions, this is when this starts to get bigger and bigger, right? And we just distract ourselves, this is what Jonathan was talking about, breaking that distraction. Have you ever, like, kind of in the evening had an idea of something cool you could work on, a new idea, maybe something creative or a phone call you could make, but you're just kind of like, and you get on your phone and and you flip through Instagram. You're like, oh, uh, okay. 
I got to the end of that. That didn't take long enough. Then you go to Facebook, and then, and then you wake up the next day. Right? I mean, like, Facebook, you can just die looking at. Right? You just, like... Do you ever, like, do that for 10 minutes and, like, I'm not even looking at anything. I'm just swiping. And then what do you, the only things you click on are the things that kind of make you a little bit upset. Right? And you're like, oh, really? And then you get all emotional. Is this just me? And then you get on the news app. Then it gets worse. But you did it. You did it. And you're like, well, it was important. It was important that I, like, you know, check on people that I love. <laughs> and, you know, I need to keep up with what's happening in the world. I spent a lot of time deciding what picture to post. That was important. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, what was I going to do? What was that idea? What was that creative spark? See, the, the really deep and powerful and meaningful things of life, they take some time to, to reflect on, to think about. Okay. Apparently, deep Christian has arrived today. Not funny Christian. Sorry, I apologize to those of you who are like, Christian's usually funny, but he's just like so serious. Do you remember Deep Sayings by Jack Hanley, Saturday Night Live? Anybody older than 40 remember those? Those are my favorite. I used to write those on uh, my school books. Okay. Your time is limited, so spend it on what matters most. If you were really thinking, I've got a year left, I've got 10 years left, what is that thing that you wish you would do? Or things. Spend it on what matters most. So here are four things. This is what I promised you. Drum roll. Here are four practical things. First, seek first the kingdom of God. Doesn't Jesus said this? He said, there's all these things you can worry about. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let me just tell you, like, so we're, we're you know, G- Jonathan and I say this, you know, we're Jesus people, like we are Jesus followers. And we're, we're welcoming all people to come into our church and be here, whether you follow Jesus or not. We want you to be here. If you're exploring faith, you're curious, that's so great. And I'll just tell you that the most fulfilling th- thing you can do with your time is the thing that God calls you to do. The thing that you are created to do in God is the most fulfilling thing that you can do. And, it, and you'll know it when you see it because you'll do it and you'll think, I should be tired, but I'm not. I feel fulfilled. I feel energized. So seek first the kingdom of God. What is God calling you to do? Second is do the first things first. If you want something in your life that's not happening because you haven't created space for it, create space for it first. Here's what happens. If you do the important things first, the rest of those things you'll either figure out weren't that important anyway, or they'll just get worked out. Um, I'm notorious for taking my kids and some other kids who live nearby on ice cream runs late at night um, because I get ice cream, and that's really all you need to know. So what other motivation would there be? No, because, and so sometimes my kids will ask me, you know, they're just like kind of a little bit like, it's a Friday or Saturday night, they're a little bit bored, it's like 10, 10.30, I'm already in my PJs, they're like, hey, dad, ice cream run? And you know, there's a lot of me that's like, you know, I'm halfway through Facebook, you know? Or, or even sometimes I'm like, oh, I really need to, like, I need to prepare my slides for the teaching tomorrow, or like, there's all these other things, but I'm really determined to not let ministry come first over my family or work come first over my family or Facebook, right? And so before I work on my slides or before I whatever, I'm going to do the first things first. And so I'll make that sacrifice. And I'll be like, yeah, let's go. Let's go get ice cream. It's a sacrifice. 
There's maybe even three times in my life where I've taken people to get ice cream and not gotten it for myself. I've been that way my whole life, though. First date was always ice cream. I don't know about you guys, but that was just like, if I could tell right then. I was like, mm, nope. She's not enjoying the ice cream as well as I am. Next. That's a true statement. Scott's ice cream on Main Street. Is that, do we have any longtime Newarkers here? Remember Scott's ice cream? We got, yeah. Um, Denny's. That was Mandy in my first date. You can tell I won her with my amazing amount of money, right? I was like, hey, big spender, let's go to Denny's. Put the first things first. If you, if you want to, uh, what, what is something you want to do? I don't know. If you want to write music, but you keep feeling like you don't have time to do it, you need to make time in your schedule to do that before you do other things. Build it into your schedule. If you want to exercise, maybe you should exercise before you get home or before you go to work. Like, put the first things first. It's true about money, too. If you wish you were more generous, give away your money first. Right? That's why we talk about that whole, you know, you're going to um, be generous first, then you're going to budget, and then you're going to live on the rest. Give save, live on the rest. I knew it was a, a saying. Create rhythms and rituals that align with your values. Rhythms and rituals are so powerful in life. I was kind of touching on that there, but if you want something in your life that's not there yet, build it as a rhythm into your life. So, you know, a good example of this uh, for, for our family, I talked about it last week, we have a value of eating dinner together, but that has to be something we actually do. We have to make time for it. So we budget time for that. Vacation's another value. You know, I'm a big believer that if you're working hard, you need retreats, you need rest. So you need to build those times into your life. Um, I'm a person who, who practices taking one day off of work a week because I feel like the Bible teaches that. And so that's a ritual, it's a rhythm. So it's, it's very easy. Like around five or six or seven o'clock at night on Friday night, I just put my laptop away and I'm gonna purpose in my heart to not work on work until around five or six or seven o'clock the next night. It's, now listen, it's not like this religious bear, you know, onus burden that I carry around. It's good for me. I will be much more uh, attuned and uh, energetic the next six days if I take that one day off. And I want to tell you guys, I've been breaking this rule sometimes because I don't get everything done. And Saturday morning, a lot of our kids sleep in. And so it's actually, I like to wake up early now because I've reconditioned my life. And so I wake up, grab some coffee. I love to sit there with my laptop and study and prepare some more. And I've been doing it lately, but there's been a couple times where I've been really into it and Eden's been awake and she's come over and been like, hey, daddy, you want to take the dog out? Hey, dad, you want to play? And I'm like, no, no, I'm focused. And that's a great reason why I need that ritual because I will fill up my life with work and then I will miss out on the things that I value more. It's important to create those rituals and rhythms. Last, harness the power of community. If you're doing, if there's something you're just like, I can't get this into my life. Get some other people. This is what the faith community is about. This is why we're not, this is, you know, Sunday mornings are great, but we encourage people, like we live better in circles than rows, right? So we want you in small groups. We want you in fellowship. We want you in relationship and friendship because we need each other. Have you ever tried to accomplish a goal on your own and then gotten a group of people to stay accountable to and try to do it? It's so much easier with that group. So here's four ways that we can do this. Let's hand out those cards if we could, guys, and the worship team can come back up. Your time is limited, so spend it on what matters most. Now, some people get really into this, and they, they like, there's books that you can read on how to schedule, how to build your schedule throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout the month. 
Um, if you want to do that, go for it, right? I, I struggle. I'm going to tell you guys, this teaching is one of those teachings where before I get up to give it, I feel nervous because I'm not great at this. This is not my strong area. I'm not great at lining up my time with my values. Even, even at work, I can so easily get um, distracted by answering emails or doing the things that feel like they're urgent or just doing things that have a, a, a definite fix or a definite ending. Like, like I can spend hours tweaking our website because it's like, it's, it's satisfying. It's, it's concrete. And the stuff I need to be doing, like in my job, I need to be studying and writing and praying. That stuff's so abstract and esoteric and out there that you, I can work on a teaching for four hours and not have much done at all because that's how it goes. It's like this process of development. If you're a creative, you know what that's like, right? And it just doesn't satisfy as much as like just clicking a few buttons or answering a few emails. So I can get distracted too. This is not my strength, but I want to grow in this. Because I'm convinced that we really have been given a certain amount of time on earth and we have an opportunity to make a difference in our communities, in our families, in our friends' lives. That this is not an accident that we're here, that you're not here on accident, that you're here on purpose with a purpose. And that you have something, all of you, teenagers, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you have a reason to be here. And yes, part of your reason is what you're doing as a friend and what you're doing as a parent, but it even goes beyond that. There's deeper meaning to what God is calling you to do. And we want to press through the default setting of life and get our lives back to be who God's called us to be. Jonathan Edwards said it this way, time is so short and the work which we have to do is so great that we have none of it to spare. That's powerful. If you've got five years left, if you've got 10 years left, if you've got 50 years left, what are you going to do with the time that's left? Because the calling of God on your life, the potential, the opportunity for you to make a difference is so great. There's no time to waste. No time to waste. So your time is limited. Let's spend it on what matters most. I've handed you a card. Julia, can I see that? So what I want you to do with this you can do it now during this song. We're going to give a response time to the teaching. So we're going to play one more song. You can think about this, pray about this, write on this now, or you can take it home and do it. You can sing along to the song if you want to. Also, if you'd like prayer, we're going to have some people on that wall over there to my right, your left. And we believe that when we pray for each other, God moves in powerful ways and he touches our hearts and our lives. Listen, even if you don't believe in Jesus, I just want to say we're so happy that you're here. If you're discovering faith or walking out faith or trying to figure it out, first of all, this is something you can still do. It's very practical. Sometimes I say that the the Bible, the truth in the Bible is true because it's true, not because it's in the Bible, right? Like this is this is true for you. This is true for you, whether you believe in Jesus or not. And you also can come get prayer whether you believe in Jesus or not. We'd love to pray with you and walk with you through whatever is going on. So if you're sick today, we'd love to pray for your healing. If you're going through a relationship struggle, we'd love to pray for reconciliation. If you're just having a hard time or you need encouragement, come get prayer. Let's stand together. What this card is going to ask you to do is to think about that one thing and make a plan just for one week. For one week to do that thing you wish you would do and see what happens.